on tonight as we continue this series, The Promises of God During a Time of Crisis. The Promises of God During a Time of Crisis. God has blessed us for the past five weeks. We uh, have shared with you from this very special Tuesday night Bible study. And what God said to us, he instructed us as we began this series, he says that my people who are called by my name need to know something, that my promises are still good. Even in the midst of a crisis, the promises of God are still good. The theme scripture for this series is Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. The new King James Version. We've shared this every week of this series. We always began by sharing this theme scripture. Paul writes these words in 2 Corinthians. He says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him. Amen. To the glory of God through us. All the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen. And then the verse says, to the glory of God through us. So we need to know that there are some promises of God with our names on it. That God says they're not null and void just because there is a pandemic. In fact, I am convinced that in the midst of a crisis, the promises of God uh, becomes even more relevant in our life. For the past five weeks, we've shared with you five different promises. This is a, another promise that we want to share with you tonight. And this promise simply says this, he will never give up on you. God will never give up on you. This is important because there are times when our backs are against the wall when we are in a crisis, that perhaps the enemy makes us feel as if God has given up on me. God will give up on me. But this promise is very simple, yet very strong. God will never, he will never give up on you. Do me a favor, even before we start, get your phones out and text it to someone, send it to someone, put it on your social media, and just put quotations marked around it and says, he will never give up on you. Someone somewhere needs to hear this word. As we put this together, we are going to do what God has assigned us to do throughout this series, and that is to examine seven scripture references that talk about the fact that God will never give up on you. I want to begin even before I share the first scripture reference by saying this. As I was praying and meditating the last couple of days over this series, one of the things that God spoke to me in such a profound way, and he says, I want to remind you why I would never give up on you. And this is what blew my mind. He says, not because I need you, but because I love you. And I says, I got it, God. <laughs> because see, sometimes 
when we think, oh, folk need me, that inflates our ego and make us think that we're invincible, we're irreplaceable. And God reminded me, and he was talking to me directly. And he says, I want to remind you that before you preach this to anybody, let me preach it to you. And he said, the reason I'll never give up on you, Dara, is not because I've got to have you. The scripture says, if these shall hold their peace, the rocks will cry out. God says, the reason I will never give up on you is because I love you. You're replaceable. <laughs> and he reminded me, don't think that you're not replaceable. You are. Uh, but I love you so that I choose not to ever give up on you. Let us look at seven different scriptures. Let us look at seven different scriptures. And we're going to try to do this within our time frame. Seven different. The first one is Hosea chapter 11 and verses 7 and 8. The New Living Translation. The book of Hosea. To many of you that are familiar with it, you understand the prophet Hosea and the example that God gave him with his own wife. Uh, that was an analogy to God's relationship with the nation of Israel. So Hosea went through this and the wife he loved betrayed him. He took her in. She went back and the Bible says she began to be a harlot or a hallowed again. She, she went back and broke his heart over again. Here's what God said to Hosea throughout the book of Hosea. He says, go get her. Go find her. He had to leave his house, go throughout the streets and look for his wife who, were laying, who was laying up with other men. And God says, bring her back and love her. But listen to what God says in verse uh, 8, 7 and 8 of chapter 11 of the book of Hosea as he makes... Uh, the analogy to the nation of Israel. He is now talking through Hosea to the people of Israel. And God says this in verse 7, For my people are determined to desert me. They call me the Most High, but they don't truly honor me. But listen to what God says. Oh, how can I give up on you, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Admon or demolish you like Zeobam? My heart is torn within me. And listen to this. And my compassion overflows. God says, like I've destroyed other nations, I can't do that to you because I love you. And my heart is torn. Remember, the first statement I made as we begin this series was that God does not give up on us because he needs us. It is because he loves us. And he says to the nation of Israel that although you let me down, verse 7 says, you deserted me. You called me the most high, but in fact, your actions indicate that you do not honor me. But despite all of that, I will never give up on you. The second scripture reference is the Old Testament writings in the book of Lamentations. One of my absolute favorite passages. To those of you who come to Bible Way, you know that. You hear me quote this all the time, sometimes every week. Prior to me preaching, I would 
quote the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 21 to verse 23. The prophet Jeremiah writes these most profound words. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, one translation says, it is of the Lord's mercies we have not been consumed because his compassion fail not. Look at verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How the prophet Jeremiah tells the nation of Israel again through God. God speaks through the prophet and says it is because of God's mercies you've not been destroyed. And verse 23 says they are new every morning. Every morning we are given new mercies simply because God chooses not to ever give up on us. Don't you let anyone make you feel as if God has given up on you. That person is a deceiver and a liar. God has not, nor will God ever give up on you. Every morning we wake up. <laughs> we wake up with new mercies. That is why God is so faithful. And the third scripture reference, the third uh, biblical reference as it relates to the fact that God will never give up on us is also written by Jeremiah. And it is also a very iconic verse in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse number 11. If Lamentations is one of my favorite, then 29 and 11 is probably my favorite B. If Lamentations is A, this is right up there. It is so powerful. I love this verse. I have adopted this verse in my own personal life. When I'm encouraging people all over the country, I often tell people, God has got a plan. Uh, I remember encouraging someone who was going through a major career transition. God had relocated them from here to another state to take a career opportunity, but they were looking for something else. And all I could always say is, God has a plan. It comes from this verse, Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. Listen to what the text says. For I know the plans I have for you, declareth the Lord. Everybody, wherever you are, stop what you're doing right now. And look at this verse. You don't have to memorize a whole lot of verses. I am not one of those kind of preachers that judges your spirituality on the number of verses you can memorize. But there ought to be some that are in your spiritual library that if you even don't memorize it, you have it written down somewhere. And I challenge you, wherever you are right now, write it down. Put it in your pocketbook. Put it in your pocket. Put it in your car. Put it in your desk. Put it in your glove compartment. And let this word ride with you. Here it is again. For I know the plans I have for you, declareth the Lord. Listen to what the text says. Plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. And here's the key. And a future. So to 
everyone, it doesn't matter where you are. If you have a loved one that's incarcerated and perhaps they cannot see this uh, visual service, send them this verse. Send them this verse. God's got a plan with you in mind. Plan to give you hope and to give you a future. What a powerful word from God. And God does that not because he has to, but God does it because he loves us. The fourth scripture reference, the fourth biblical reference uh, is 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 7 to verse 9. And I have chosen a unique translation that I don't often use, but for the purposes of this message tonight, this translation fits. It is from the Message Bible. It is from the Message Bible. <clears throat> Paul, the author of this text, writes this word. And you'll see particularly how it ends, why this translation was chosen. Uh, just think you don't need, just think, Paul says, you don't need a thing. You've got it all. All God's gifts are right in front of you as you wait expectantly for our master Jesus to arrive on the scene for the finale. One translation is for the second coming. And not only that, here's what Paul writes, <clears throat> but God himself is right alongside to keep you steady and on track until things are all wrapped up by Jesus. I like the message translation. God, listen to this, who got you started in this spiritual adventure shares with us the life of his son and our master, Jesus. But look how this passage ends. He will never he will never give up on you. Paul ends by saying, never forget that. God will never give up on you. Don't you ever forget the fact that God will never give up on you. One of the things that one of the things that concerns me is that so many times we allow other people in our minds and we allow other people to dictate to us how we feel about a situation, even at times dictate how we feel about God. But take this verse and look at the message Bible translation at verse nine and how it ends. He would never give up on you. Never forget that. What a powerful word from the Lord, our God. Isn't it interesting when you think about it, that God loves you so much that he would never walk out on you. He would never give up on you. He would never throw the tower in. God knows what you're going through. Then the next scripture reference is 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 one that I really like. And in fact, this one and the next two will be a part of a series that I hope to do sometimes this year. Uh, when this 
uh, pandemic has subsided a while and we are back in service, uh, I am going to do a series called Seeing Others as God Sees Them. First series of the year that we did was to see ourselves as God sees us. But in that series that I have been working on since 2019, actually, this scripture reference is a part of that. And this powerful dialogue with this special woman, simply known as the woman from Samaria at the well. Look at the story. Let me give you just a backdrop. Jesus and his disciples go through Samaria, not because they have to, because Jesus chooses to. Jesus says, we must go through Samaria. He sends his disciples away in the town. And now he's left alone with this broken woman with a crushed spirit that nobody else in the entire village wanted to associate with her. In fact, she alone draws her water at midday when the sun is the hottest. The custom was the women would come to the well in the morning draw water and it would be a place to socialize. It would be a place to talk about your family, your children, your husband and what God is doing in your family life. But nobody wanted to be with her. She was an outcast. She was despised even by the Samaritans. But the Jews as a whole did not get along with the Samaritans. And it was not the custom for Jews to have any dialogue or any kind of fellowship with anybody from Samaria, much less a woman with an irreputable reputation, a, a woman whose reputation uh, was so horrible uh, that even her own people did not want to be with her. But Jesus was different. That's why I can't wait to get to that series, seeing people as Jesus sees them. Jesus now at the well of Samaria in the middle of the day sends his disciples into town and we get to verse 7 of John chapter 4 the New Living Translation soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her please give me a drink of water he was alone at that time because his disciples has gone into the village to buy some food the woman was surprised the Greek word for that is even stronger than surprise, astonished. The woman was flabbergasted, it's perhaps more appropriately. She was just very shocked. For Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink of water? <laughs> she thought, if my people don't want anything to do with me, I know you don't want anything to do with me. But she didn't know what Jew she was talking to. She was talking to a Jew, but she didn't know it was the Messiah. It was Jesus who does not operate like other folk operate does not look at people like other people look at people. 
Everybody else looked at her as a woman with an issue who had been married five times and the one she was with was not even her rightful husband. But Jesus says, if you knew who it was that was asking you for water, I, I am not just talking about H2O. I'm talking about living water that flows from the inside. In other words, Jesus says, I have chosen this place at this time just to meet you here. Why? Because I want you to know something. I'll never give up on you. I want you to know something. Jesus touched her so this woman dropped her bucket, dropped her bucket, ran into the city and told all the men, come see a man who, that told me everything about myself. She became the first Samaritan evangelist. Why? Because Jesus says, I'll choose people that I want to choose. Some of you right now are saying, God can't use me. I, I mean, I'm not a preacher, not a minister. I, I mean, I, I, I can't do that. I have no title. And God says, perhaps you are the type that I want. I've got a past. I've got a history. God said, I need, because who best could go into Samaria but this woman? Because she had a story to tell. And her story was, this man who is the Messiah knows me inside out. Isn't he the Messiah? <laughs> Simply because Jesus refused to give up on a woman with a jaded past. And I'm speaking to someone right now. I said, no matter what you've been through, who you've been with, how many relationships that have gone wrong in your life, doesn't matter how many times things have failed in your life, God says, I haven't given up on you. In fact, I refuse to give up on you. That's scripture reference number five. The sixth scripture reference is found in the book of Luke, chapter eight, verses one and two. Somewhat similar to the fifth one, again, with another woman with a jaded past. There's a reason why I chose these two examples. Um, not just because they had a jaded past. It was because of the chauvinistic views that exist during that time, even among the men of faith, who, number one, did not think God can use anybody who wasn't near perfect, although they were not. But they really didn't think God could use a woman. God doesn't speak. And, and look at the evangelist that he's chosen or women with jaded past. And God said, you are my evangelist. This is one, Mary Magdalene. Look at the text. Verse 1, chapter 8. Verse 1, chapter 8. It says, soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him. This is very important. As he traveled throughout the town, he took his 12 disciples with him. But they were not the only people Jesus took with him. <laughs> I love this text. I love this reference. And verse number two along with some women who had been cured. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
of evil spirits and diseases. What did he took them with him also? And look at how the verse ends. Among them, among the women with issues and who had evil spirits was a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. <laughs> seven demons were cast out of Mary Magdalene. And not only, because see, because he could have delivered her and forgot about her. <laughs> but he delivered her and he invited her into his circle. He says, I want you to be a part of this circle. And let me tell you something. This may not, I hope this goes off well, no harm intended. But she was as much of a disciple as Peter, James, and John. But because of the culture of the time, you know this, Pastor Mac, you, you are studying for your doctoral degree in theology. And so you know this. Because of the culture at the time, the contributions of the women were not recognized even among biblical writers. But make no mistake about it. Mary Magdalene was a disciple. And Jesus says, so much so that I could have chosen anybody in the world to deliver the first message on Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> I could have chosen anybody. John ran to the tomb, but John wasn't given the assignment that Mary Magdalene gave. One of my former professors, gone on to be with the Lord, I loved him so much, Dr. Larkin, says it was Jesus who ordained the first New Testament evangelist to be, number one, a woman and a woman who had been delivered from seven demons. Jesus tell Mary Magdalene, and you will see that later in the seventh message, I mean, in that seventh uh, biblical reference. He didn't forget about Mary. He delivered her. And he did not forget. So, so many times, here's where, here's, where, here's where the church has failed. We preach salvation to people and we watch them get converted. But then for some reason, we still even subliminally, maybe in the back of our minds, we hold it against them. Where we don't invite them in the circle. <laughs> They don't come in the circle because guess what? I remember your past. And you can come and you can sing for me and you can do this and you can do that. But, but, but I, I still don't trust you. I don't invite you in. Not Jesus. He brought Mary Magdalene in his circle and made him a part of him. So much so that the critics and the naysayers even erroneously tried to link a romantic affair between Jesus and Mary Magdalene because they just didn't understand how a man like Jesus could accept a woman like that. It was because he never gave up on her. I can't wait to get to that series. And we talk about Mary extensively. 
Here's the sixth and here's the seventh and the final scripture. And perhaps <laughs> this one represents him never giving up as much as anything else in the New Testament. The woman from Samaria at the well was powerful. Testimony of Mary Magdalene was awesome and it, and it was incredible. But the testimony of Peter, <laughs> uh, if there's anybody in the Bible that epitomizes the fact that God would never give up on you, it has to be Peter. And let me set the text over the next few minutes before we have this altar call experience. Peter chosen by God. Peter, the one that Jesus pulled up from the sinking sea after he had, Peter had walked on the water but lost focus. Peter, the one that Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter. But upon this rock, I will establish my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Peter, the sword bearer. Peter, the one that was up front and out front and oftentimes blunt and out of control. But Jesus loved himself some Peter. Uh, John loved himself some Jesus. Uh, catch this. I wish I had time to deal with this. But Jesus loved himself some Peter. He, he, he loved them all, but he, he, he had a special thing, I believe. This is my personal uh, opinion for Peter because he knew that deep down inside with all of his flaws and all of his mistakes, man, Peter was genuine. Didn't always do the right thing. So here's the text. You know the story. Jesus gets betrayed by Judas. Peter pulls out the sword in the garden, cuts the soldier's ear off. Jesus puts it back on. Prior to that, in the upper room, Jesus tells Peter, Peter, look, you are boastful. You got a big mouth. But the fact is, you're going to deny me three times before the night's over. And Peter said, not me, Lord. I'll never deny you. Peter's mouth <laughs> kind of got him in trouble, but it was also his attribute because it was through Peter's mouth that Acts 2 was preached. So Jesus gets betrayed by Peter, having been denied by Judas. You know the story. You learned it even as a Sunday school student. Three times Peter says, I don't even know the man. I have nothing to do with the man. And the third time, he used some sort of profanity to tell the young lady, I told you so and so and so and so. I don't know that man. Jesus had healed his mother-in-law. Jesus had delivered him from a sinking ocean. Jesus had fed him when he was hungry. Jesus did everything. And when Jesus needed Peter the most, <laughs> Peter let him down. 
He let Jesus down. Did not stand up for Jesus when he should have. Peter should have been there. Peter, Peter mouth said one thing, but his actions could not back it up. And so here is Jesus now on his way to the cross. Peter was nowhere to be found. Here is Jesus now carrying the cross. You know, the story falls down. And even the foreign man of African descent picks up the cross, carries it to Golgotha. Peter was nowhere to be found. At the foot of the cross, only one disciple was there. That was the disciple who loved Jesus. And he tells you he loves him because he writes about it in his book that I'm the one that loved Jesus. John was there at the foot of the cross with the women and Jesus' mother. No Peter, no James, no Thomas, nowhere to be found. But especially the one who said, I'll never leave you. Peter was nowhere to be. Can you imagine? Go with me on this. I, I, I'm, I'm about to end this. Get ready, praise team. I'm about to end this. Can you imagine Peter and how Peter must have felt? Man, my mouth said one thing, but my character could not back it up. I let him down. Peter was dejected because if anything, Peter was genuine. He wasn't like Judas. He wasn't a hypocrite. He was genuine. He, he, when he said he would stand by Jesus, he really meant that at the time. He just wasn't strong enough to implement it. And so here's the text, Mark 16 and 7. To those of you who come to Bible study on Tuesday night, you've heard me reference this so many times. So Jesus now has been resurrected. <laughs> Early Sunday morning, resurrection Sunday morning, Jesus now gets up out of the grave, shows himself. You remember I told you the evangelist, Mary Magdalene, and the others? Jesus now comes with a resurrected body. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sees him. And Jesus says this in Mark chapter 16 and verse 7. He says this powerful word. He says, but go tell his disciples, says this through the angels, says, go tell his disciples and Peter, the angel tells him this, go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead to you to Galilee. There you will see him. And the key word is and Peter. Why were those words even in the text? All he had to do is says, go tell the disciples to meet me in Galilee. But here's what Jesus knew. He knew that Peter was crushed because he had let Jesus down. And Jesus wanted Peter to know, you may have let me down, but I have not given up on you. Go get Peter. I preached a message once that blessed me before I shared it with anybody else. And the title of the sermon was, Go Get Peter. 
Go get the man who let me down, the one who denied me. Jesus will never give up on you. He is such an awesome God. And so as we prepare right now this night, you've heard another promise of God. I've shared with you as I have done over the past six weeks. This is the sixth message over the past five weeks. Message number six on this Tuesday night was that he would never give up on you. And in this eighth week of this shutdown, I want you to know because some of you have had too much time on your hand. And when you have that much time, the enemy kind of remind you of all your past mistakes. <laughs> the enemy kind of remind you of how jacked up your credit is, and how messed up your life is, and why you don't have a better job, why you're not in a better relationship. And the enemy makes you think that you're not even worthy of God's grace and mercy. But I'm here to tell you that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in you. Dietrich Hatton wrote this song that simply says, God is able. And here are the words that I like. He's going to fulfill every promise to you. Listen, everybody, stop right down. Look at me and listen to this. Don't give up on God because he won't give up on you. God is able. Ooh, yes, he is. Come on, put a pause in whatever you were doing. Join us and able. Just what he said he would do. He's gonna fulfill every promise to you. Ah. Don't give up on God, cause he won't give up on you. He's able. (laughs) Somebody, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what he said.
you give up on God because God will never give up on you. I'm speaking directly into somebody's life right now. Some young man, perhaps you've done something you're not proud of. You feel like society has given up on you. You can't ever get the job. You can't get the things in life that you want to work so hard towards. But call this number right now, 888-776-1238. Some young lady, perhaps like Mary Magdalene, there's some things in your past that you're not very proud of. But I'm here to tell you, God is inviting you into his inner circle. God says, I'm going to make you one of my disciples. Whether they call you that or not, or whether they ever refer to you or not. See, the title didn't matter. It was the responsibility that God gave her that indicated God's faith in Mary Magdalene. The woman at the well of Samaria. Five men had broken her heart. (laughs) The one she was with (laughs) didn't think enough to make her legitimate. But God says, I choose you. I have chosen to have this conversation with you. And I'm going to give you something that's greater than the water uh, from Jacob's well. Peter you let God down but the Lord says I haven't forgotten about you and so wherever you are right now somebody just pause lift those hands God is able to restore you God is able to do what only God can do let us pray Eternal Father, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you this night. We thank you for this lesson. We thank you for yet another promise. A promise that we shall take with us tonight and tomorrow and the rest of our lives. That you would never give up on us. Just like you haven't given up on us, we would not give up on you. Somebody somewhere, Lord, is making up their mind that I choose God. I choose God to be in my life right now. And so have your way, Lord. Move in a mighty way. Thank you in advance for transformation in somebody's life. Thank you for not giving up on us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And I want you to say amen, amen. Listen, call this number on the screen right now. If you if you've not confessed the Lord as your savior, you can do it tonight. Amen. If you want to be saved, you can do it even in the midst of a pandemic. God is able to save you right now and to restore you. Call this number on the screen. God is able to do it. One more time. Come on and take him up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to know it.
you for joining us tonight. We invite you to join us again Sunday at 8 and 11. Sunday is Mother's Day. And if you can't get to your mother, you can sit somewhere and remember how special she was if she's not here anymore. If the pandemic will not allow you to physically be in her presence, amen, you can worship together. You can call her and says, get online at Bible Way. Come let us worship together. God is able. Thank you for your support. Thank you for how you have supported this ministry. Even unlike any time before, this pandemic has proven one thing, that the people of God are faithful. <laughs> that the people of God are faithful throughout the crisis. And we say thank you. Join us Sunday morning. Let us pray the benediction. Now may the grace of God, the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide with us now tomorrow and forevermore. And everyone everywhere say amen. Guess what? He will never give up on you. for joining us here at the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. We are honored that you worship with us virtually. Share us with a friend, with a neighbor, with a co-worker. Thank God for the opportunity to join you as we all worship. In the midst of this pandemic, God still gets the glory. Again, thank you for being a part of this worship experience. May God bless you and your family. We'd like to thank everyone for tuning into our service. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-1238. We'd like to thank you for your continued support to the ministry of Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Here are the following ways that you can give. Online giving is available to members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account. You can give via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your checks to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will also be accepted at the church on Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you, please share. For more information and for additional announcements, please be sure to visit our website at bwcar.org.